where Steve Burrell gets all his jokes. And so, you know, some of them, I've, I've found a few, but here's one for you. Liberty is not all it's cracked up to be, and some people would tell you that. Uh, but this person would tell you differently. She says, I, I'm sorry, I can't hear you over the sound of my freedom. And she's from a country where there is no freedom. And uh, she lives here. But uh, so, uh, you know, and, and I know a lot of y'all ha- are, are really, how many of y'all got cats? I'm not a cat person, but here's one for you. Uh, you can never be too patriotic. But, you know, for all of us dog, dog lovers, there's one for us. Not, you know why there's no knock-knock jokes about America? Freedom rings. Freedom rings, all right? Here's, here's Thomas Jefferson. The British say, hey, look, just because you say independence doesn't make it true. Jefferson said, but I didn't say it. I declared it. There, hereby, we have a declaration of independence. This next one, uh, you know, it's not you, it's us, the U.S. I, thought y'all, I think I found where Steve got his, but y'all got to do a better job laughing at some of these. So uh, here's what's fixing to happen. Little girl saying, did somebody say barbecue, if you can't read that at the bottom? And, uh, and here's a little guy. This is what's going on in children's church right now. He's checking to see how many hot dogs are on the grill, all right? And uh, so he's, he's ready. And, uh, and so this is how the rest of us are going to feel tomorrow when you realize you've got to go back to work from a long weekend. All right. Uh, Steve did tell me one I don't have a slide for. It's like, you know, you know, what, uh, you know why? The Statue of Liberty, what the Statue of Liberty stands, why she stands? Because she can't sit down. <laughs> All right. I told him I was going to use that one. He gave me permission. So we, I believe we live in a great nation. Are we perfect? Not. not, we're not because I'm not perfect. I live in this nation, so uh, we're not. But I believe it's the greatest nation in the history of the planet. I mean, and we celebrate today as our independence from England. Uh, and when this nation was found, founded and formed, it was founded, formed, and established on Christian principles. You won't hear that in the media today. But the Bible says, blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord. Blessed is the nation. I believe we've been a blessed nation because uh, of our service to the Lord, our dedication to the Lord. So we celebrate America's Independence Day on the 4th of July every year. And uh, we think of... July 4th, 1776 is a day that represents uh, our independence and the birth of the United States. Uh, you know, our, our founding fathers wanted to be independent from the rule of England, right? And they wanted to have freedom. And so I've got a few slides for you. Take a little roll down memory lane. On July 4th, 1776, the Continental Congress approved the final wording of the Declaration of Independence. Uh, And uh, then you can see the next slide, this history of America's Independence Day started out because of taxation without representation. Boston Tea Party, you know, and and so, uh, you know, matter of fact, how many of you know what kind of shirts they wore to the Boston Tea Party? Anybody? T-shirts, that's right. Okay, okay, You're, you're with me on this. So anyway, taxation without representation, that was the battle cry that started independence. The country was founded on on Christian principles, and as frustration grew, the British sent troops over here to quell any kind of revolution. And, uh, and try as people might, it just turned out there was no way to not have a war over that. So on June 11th, 1776, the Second Continental Congress 
met and formed a committee to draft a document to sever ties with England. On that committee were Thomas Jefferson, Benjamin Franklin, John Adams, and there was a total of 56 of them on there. And after Congress made 86 changes, that's what Congress does. They change stuff, right? I mean, anytime you get a committee together, right? The Continental Congress adopted the Declaration of Independence on July 4, 1776. That's why we celebrate. So I want to read you a few excerpts from this. First, we hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal and women, that they are endowed by their what? Creator. Listen, you'll hear today that, that God had nothing to do with the formation of this country. And, and it's, that's just not true. Endowed by their creator were certain and alienable rights. Among those, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. God gives us that liberty. God gave us that liberty. Here's the last paragraph. We, the representatives of the United States of America, General Congress, assembled, appealing to the supreme judge of the world. Who are they looking to? God. They're looking to God. You won't hear that on any of our news media. Uh, you know, uh, none of them. Uh, in his last sentence, with firm reliance on the protection of divine providence, we mutually pledge to each other our lives, our fortunes, and our sacred honor. And it cost these guys something. You listen to, to some people today, and, and they'll say that, you know, the founders all got rich and all this kind of stuff. That didn't happen. Of the 56 men, five of them were captured by the British and tortured before they died. Twelve of them had their homes ransacked and burned. Two of them lost their sons in the Revolutionary Army. Another two sons were captured. Nine of the 56 fought and died. One wealthy trader saw his ships sunk by the British Navy. He sold his home and properties to pay his debts off and died in poverty. Thomas Nelson, one of the signers, had his home taken over and used as headquarters by the British. And when they had an opportunity, he ordered General George Washington open fire on his own home and destroyed it. The home was destroyed. The British were killed, and Nelson died bankrupt. John Hart was driven from his wife's bedside while she was dying. Their 13 children fled for their lives. His fields were destroyed, and for over a year, he lived in forests and caves, returning home only to find his wife had died and children vanished. I mean, that's not a pretty picture of what these guys went through. I'm sure, I think today we wouldn't have a Declaration of Independence. Uh, we don't have that kind of desire, that determination anymore. Patrick Henry... Everybody's heard his speech, but here's, here's part of his speech. He said this, Three million people armed in a holy cause of liberty and in such a country as we, which we possess are invincible by any force the enemy can send against us. That's a good statement. Besides, sir, we shall not fight our battles alone. Here's a better one. There is a just God who presides over the destiny of nations and who will raise up friends to fight our battle for us. See, the battle, sir... Is not to the strong alone. It is to the vigilant, the active, and the brave. Besides, sir, it is now too late to retire from the contest. There is no retreat but in submission and slavery. Our chains are forged. Their clanking may be heard on the plains of Boston. Gentlemen may cry peace, peace, but there is no peace. The war has actually begun. Our brethren are already in the field. We stand, why stand we here idle? What is that gentlemen wish? What would they have? Is life so dear, peace so sweet, to be purchased with the price of chains and slavery? Forbid it, almighty God. I know not what course others may take, but as for me, give me liberty or give me death. That's the famous part of the speech. We forget all about the God parts. See, too often we forget 
that not only did these brave men and women declare independence from England, but they declared dependence on God. Write that down. The founding fathers declared their dependence on God. See, our, our founding fathers didn't want a government free of Christianity. They wanted Christianity free of government. Somebody will say amen on that one. I mean, amen. you know, before they sailed, I, you don't hear this. I never heard this even in school when I was there. But before they, or maybe I wasn't paying attention during that part of social studies, I don't know. But before they sailed, the pastor of the, of the pilgrims was executed because he stated that Jesus was the head of the church. Well, the monarch at the time said, no, you're not. I am, and you're dead. And see, that's what we didn't want. We didn't want a king or a president or Congress determining what the, the official church of the United States, like you've got a Church of England and all that. We didn't want that. And so we've got the First Amendment. Uh, because they knew the tyranny of that, they added the First Amendment. Congress shall make no law respecting the establishment of religion. Basically, that's saying our government cannot declare one religion is the government religion. They didn't want a national church. Thomas Jefferson talked about the wall of separation. We hear that a lot today in the media, separation of church and state. And, uh, and, and Thomas Jefferson made a speech, and he talked about that wall of separation, but he spoke to a group of Christians who were afraid that the government was going to come and dictate how they could believe. And he said, no, we've got a wall of separation to protect Christianity, to protect the church from the government. And they put that in the Constitution. The Pledge of Allegiance doesn't say one nation under government. It says one nation under God. Amen. We, need to, we need to know that. Now, while independence is good for our nation, and I'm glad we're an independent nation and we've got our independence from, from England and we're a free country and we're a great country. I mean, I've told you before, this country sent missionaries all around the world. After World War II, you hear people say, hey, we're an imperialist country. Yes, we fought all through Europe. Then those soldiers came back, went to Billy Graham Crusades and Billy Sunday Crusades, all these other evangelists got saved and they went back to Europe as missionaries. In the, in the 40s and 50s, the missions movement exploded out of this country around the world and there's over 4 billion Christians in this world, largely due in part to the missionaries that came out of here. And, uh, and so this country's done a lot of good. I've seen orphanages and schools and hospitals that were built by Christians in this nation in other countries. Seminaries, all kinds of things, all kinds of stuff has been good and, and because we're a free country. But here's the deal. In, independence is good for a nation, but it's not good for an individual. We've got to have an interdependence. You know, our culture says, hey, look, you need to be independent. You need to be self-reliant. You need to rely on yourself. And God says, I want you to rely on me. I want you to be dependent on me. See, we love independence. I mean, how, how many of you, what would you have called independence when you were about 15? Getting what? A driver's license. I mean, I used to tell my nephews who didn't get their licenses until 18. You know, you know, there's independence on the other side of getting that driver's license. I skipped school the day I turned 16 because, woohoo! I wanted, I'm sorry, principal, but I wanted my independence. You know, my dad took me. I got my driver's license. You know, and, and then, you, then you start thinking, hey, when I turn 18, I can do anything I want to. I'm independent, right? Until you walk up to the draft board. And, 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 and in my experience, some of y'all might have had a better experience than this, but I walked up, and this real pretty girl walks up. And I'm thinking, oh, this isn't too bad, registering for the draft. And then this, 
This woman looked like my vacation Bible school teacher. She was mean looking. She pushed her to the side and said, I'll take him. And I'm thinking, I'm on my way to Hanoi already. I can see it now. And, uh, you know, and so, but, you know, uh, or maybe, you know, when you moved out of home, you felt independent, right? Until you realized, you know, uh, you know, you needed some help sometime. I don't know if anybody's done this. I was, I ran out of dishwashing powder one time, so I squirted some of that stuff in the dishwasher. Anybody ever done that? I'm sitting there watching TV, and I see it looks like there's a cloud in my kitchen coming out. I mean, all the way to the ceiling, bubbles are coming out. And I'm going, what? Not, that's an independence crisis, right? You know, or when I'm trying to wire something on my house, and this is before you could FaceTime. I'm trying to describe to my dad what's looking like, and he said, well, try this. So there's a spark, and I'm going, no, that didn't work. You know, got to run back in there. Didn't even have a cell phone at the time. So, uh, you know, sometimes independence is good, and sometimes... We can ha- kind of have a crisis like that. I mean, some of y'all, if you cook without a recipe, it's going to come out crazy. Any, you know, and so I meant to bring it. My mother sent me out, so I would be a little bit independent with a little uh, binder thing of, of cards, uh, three-by-five cards on a little wire binder with recipes to cook so I wouldn't die, okay? And, uh, you know, which, which was good since I'd never cooked before, but independence, write it down, was great for our nation, but bad us. You see, we've got to have an interdependence on each other. And so what I want to do is one of the messages is called today, Living in Dependence. Not independence, but in, and in another word, dependence. Because we need to be dependent on God. Look at Colossians 1, uh, verse 13. For he has rescued us from the kingdom of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his dear son who purchased our freedom And forgave us our sins. Write this down. Jesus didn't die for your independence. He died for your freedom. See, Jesus didn't die for you to be independent of him. He died so you could be free to be in his kingdom. He transferred you to his kingdom. Our culture promotes independence from God or anything. Do your own thing. Whatever you want to do. There's there's no right and wrong. It's whatever you think is right and wrong. When people tell me that, I want to punch them in the face and say, I thought it was the right thing to do, you know, and say, but... But since most people are bigger than me, I just, I'm going to refrain. But in our culture says, hey, do it. You know, a lot of us are fixers. We want to be self-reliant. Anybody, when you grew up, besides me, you were taught, you know, you got to figure things out. you got to be a fix. You're self-reliant. You can, you can stand on your own. But God said, I want you to depend on me. And, and so there's several myths that our culture gives. I want to hit those real quick. And, and one is, I can't help myself. People use that excuse all the time. Well, this is the way I am. You know, this is the way I'm, I'm just, I, I lose my temper. It's just the way I am. You know, I, I, I'm, my daddy was a drinker. My mom was a drinker. I'm a drinker. You know, I'm, I'm just the way I am. What you see is what you get. I'm not going to change and all that. So we make all kinds of excuses. And culture says, hey, whatever you think you are is okay. It's not what God says. It's not what God says. Another one is I've got to protect myself. I've got to protect myself. In other words, we build up walls. We get hurt, so we put walls up around us to keep somebody else from hurting us, right? How many of you guys, I'm asking the guys because we're always the ones that get dumped growing up, right? You got dumped and said, I ain't doing this again, right? I mean, you know, I mean, and then, you know, like a day and a half later, oh, man, she's fine. I think I'm going to go ask her out, you know, and you just get your heart broken right over again, you know? I perfected getting dumped in high school, so... You know, we build up these walls. Let me tell you, when you do that, you destroy relationships, and, and you, 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 it's 
the enemy wins. We can't build those walls up. That's why we have, that's why we eat like we do, why we have small groups. So we break down those walls. When you're eating and, uh, and, and all that around a table with people, you're, you're making friendships. The third one is I can take care of myself. That's what we're, you know, told to do. That's why, that's why people want to own their own businesses, right? So nobody tells them what to do. Uh, you know, I was always amazed at kids would say, man, I don't like my mama telling me what to do. My daddy, he tells me all this stuff. And one kid named Carl, so he went out and joined the Marine Corps. And I went, you don't like your mama telling you what to do, so you go join the Marine Corps? I mean, come on. He learned. He learned. But it made a man out of him. I mean, you know, it's just like, you know, we, 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 we want to we be the boss, you know. I mean, uh, you know, and so today we want to shift from living an independent life and the myths that go with that and living an independence life. So how do we shift? I want to read you a couple of scriptures. Uh, we want to learn something from the Apostle Paul. Now, Paul's, we're going to look at Paul before and after he became a Christian. So before, he says in Philippians 3, verses 5 and 6, he said, I was circumcised when I was eight days old. That's when, as a Jewish person, you were circumcised. It doesn't hurt at that point. I'm a pure-blooded citizen of Israel and a member of the tribe of Benjamin, a real Hebrew, if there ever was one. So he's saying, hey, look, my pedigree was good. I was a member of the Pharisees who demand the strictest obedience to the law. So Paul kept the law. He said, I was so zealous that I harshly persecuted the church and for righteousness, I obeyed the law without fault. So Paul's showing what he relied on before he became a Christian. He actually had Christians thrown in prison and killed when his name was Saul. And then he got converted on the road to Damascus and became a new person. Can you imagine being the first people that Paul approached after he became a Christian? He's like, <laughs> kind of reminds me of Nicky Cruz right after he was a gang leader in New York. He got saved. I heard him telling this story, and he said... Uh, he was witnessing to this guy, and the guy, guy was making fun of him, going, Nicky, just saying, you know, you got your Bible, and all that. So Nicky uh, beat him up and put a gun in his mouth, and he prayed to receive Jesus. He said, I don't know why he didn't come back for follow-up or anything like that. But, but, you know, I mean, you know, so Paul was, that would be kind of what you think Paul's fixing to do. Yeah, he's tricking me that he's a Christian, and he's going to have me killed. You know, but here's what happened after Paul became a Christian. He said, I once thought all these things were valuable, but now I consider them worthless because of what Christ has done. Yes, everything else is worthless when compared with the infinite value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. All that stuff that he thought was important was worthless compared to knowing Christ. For his sake, I've discarded everything else, counted it all as garbage so that I could gain Christ and become one with him. I no longer count on my own righteousness. We've been preaching this for a while, especially on Wednesdays. I no longer count on my own righteousness through obeying the law. Rather, I become righteous through what? Through faith in Christ. For God's way of making us right with himself depends on faith. See, Paul's describing his transformation from being this independent, self-reliant person to, be, to the total dependence on Jesus. And uh, he was one person and then became a new person. So freedom isn't what this culture says. Freedom isn't what this culture says. True freedom uh, comes from Jesus. Jesus, write that down. Jesus came to give us true freedom. He gives us freedom from what the culture says we've got to do. He gives us freedom from ha bad habits, hurts, hang-ups. He gives us freedom from bad relationships. 
sin, consequences of sin. I mean, he gives us freedom from, you name it, he gives us freedom from. Culture wants you to do what you want. It says, hey, look, you're free to do whatever you want to do. You know, culture, here's what culture offers. They offer broken homes, heartbreak, the highest suicide rate ever, depression, and the meds that come with it, anxiety, anger, frustration, poverty. Anybody, I mean, there's more names I could put behind that, you know. Uh, but that's what, the, that's what our culture offers. But freedom is not doing anything you want to do. Write this down. True freedom comes from living independence on the right things. On the right things. Jesus, God's Word, Holy Spirit, God's people, prayer, church, right friendships. could go on and on. You know? So how can we have dependence on Jesus? How can we have that dependence on God? I want to give you three ways. We're going to look at three scriptures and Three different points. It says, after this prayer in Acts 4.31, the meeting place shook and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and they preached the word of God with boldness. So here's what happened. They're having a prayer meeting. They're praying. And then the meeting place shook. So write this down. We've got to live in dependence on prayer. We've got to live in dependence on prayer. Prayer is just a conversation we've got. Don't over-spiritualize it. I mean, it's good to have a quiet time in the morning. Some people like to get on their knees or on their face. That's good. It, it shows something. But prayer is a conversation between you and your best friend, Jesus. It's just a conversation. I mean, you're going to, you know, he's with you all day, so you might as well talk to him, right? Think about it. I mean, you know, so just talk to him. You know, it's good to have a quiet time. It's good to pray in traffic. And if you drive around here, you better pray. I mean, before a meeting, you've got to ask God for wisdom in your meetings. You talk to him all day long. Paul said in 1 Thessalonians 5, 17, never stop praying. Some translations say pray unceasingly. Pray without ceasing. Never stop praying. Listen, prayer takes us into the presence of God. Praise and worship. Take that praise is a form of prayer. So when we're worshiping, you've already been in prayer today. When you're worshiping, you're, pray, you're in prayer to God. It takes us into the presence of God. Prayer also gives us the power we need. How many times have we been in a situation where we feel powerless? I mean, maybe your child's going through something at school, and you can't be there to help. I, a friend of mine, his child was up at Mississippi State. He gets a call from her on his cell phone. Now, he's a police officer. He gets a call from her on his cell phone. There's an active shooter at her school. They've locked them down. She's hiding behind a desk in her school. There's nothing he can do. They've called the police. The police are coming, and, and, and he's, a thousand, you know, 500 miles away. I mean, even in a police car riding 100, you're not going to get there in time to do that. And the only thing he can do is he prays with her. He walked her through what she needed to do and what they needed to do in the room, and he prayed with her. And, uh, and, and so it turned out uh, that the guy wasn't in their building. But, um, and so, you know, but help us. You've got to depend on prayer. Let me tell you, something like that will drive you to prayer, right? You know, we've got power. We never stop praying. There's power in our prayer. Prayer connects us to that power. The next scripture I want you to look at says Acts 4.32. All believers... I circle that. All the believers were united in heart and mind. And that's hard right there. Some churches. Not in this church. We're pretty good. All the believers were united in heart and mind. 
And they felt what they owned was not their own, so they shared everything they had. Let me tell you, we've got to live in a dependence not only on prayer, but on people. On people. See, prayer is the foundation of dependence on God, but people provide the plan for God to fulfill our purpose. You cannot fulfill your purpose as a Christian without people. You see, that's why it's called the body of Christ. I mean... You need to find, you need to be around the right people. Wrong people will lead you the wrong way. The right people, and I believe you can find the right kind of people here. We were talking the other day. One of our guys was saying, you know what? I had to leave my old friends behind and make friends here. And he's free, free from addictions and all that kind of living happy and, and all that kind of stuff. So you can find the right people here. But, you know, we're the body of Christ. We, we all have different functions. If I cut my hand off, not to be too graphic before we go eat barbecue, but and put it on that, on that rail right there, it's still my hand, right? But it's not functional because it's not connected to the body. And so if we're not, if, we're, if I'm over here trying to be a Christian and not be connected with the body, I'm not fulfilling my purpose. I've got to be connected to people to fulfill my purpose of what God wants me to do. I read a story about a guy who, uh, he was off, in Colorado, and he, he lives over in Alabama, and somebody broke in his house. His wife called him, 2.30 in the morning. Somebody's in the house. The alarm just went off, and, and the police are on the way. And, and, uh, and so they had, they had run off, and it, they did about $10,000 worth of damage to his truck and, and, uh, and then broke in the house, and the police think it might have been targeted, you know. And, and so he's on the phone with her, totally helpless, just like the other guy. So he prayed. But guess what? He's part of a men's small group. One of those guys said, hey, man, I'm on the way to your house. Oh, man, you don't have to do that. I know it's early. Oh, man, I'm on the way to your house. And uh, stayed there until the police were done. Then, then the worship leader at their church showed up and started helping the other guy fix his truck up and get it ready for, to go to the shop and stuff. See, relationships help us. We've got to be dependent and interdependent on people. And, uh, and so, listen, relationships, when you build those relationships, that's why we can be there for each other. That's why we can be there. When, when, when we can't be. Last scripture is this, Acts 4.33. With great power, the apostles continued to testify on the resurrection or to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. And with God's grace, they were power, which was so powerfully at work in them all. Listen, write this down. We've got to depend on the promises of God. God was powerfully working in them through his grace. And we've got to... We've got to Live in dependence of God's promises. You need to get some promises of God. You have to buy a promise book or Google, or I use DuckDuckGo. DuckDuckGo, use some, doesn't rhyme like Google does, though. Does Search for some, for, for some Bible promises. I mean, stuff like this, like when you're struggling, you need to know that greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world, right? I mean, you, when, you're, when you're going through it, you need to know what Paul said in Romans 8, 28. When he said, God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose. When you're having a difficult time, it's good to know that. Would somebody agree with that? Jeremiah, if you don't feel like you've got a plan or like maybe God's out to get you or whatever, here's a, here's a verse for you. God says, I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. There are plans for good, not for disaster. See, a lot of times we think, man, I just know God's going to send me to do something I don't want to do someplace I don't want to go. What's this say? He says, I've got good plans for you. Plans for good and not for disaster. Plans to give you a future and a hope. Psalm 144, 14 
said this, may your oxen be loaded down with produce. What that means is, if you're writing that today, let your bank account be full. That's what he'd be saying. Let your paycheck be good. May there be no enemy breaking in your walls or going into captivity. No cries of alarm in your town square. Folks, you got to get a promise. you got to get some promises. By his stripes, I've been healed if you're fighting sickness. I mean, there are promises of Scripture that you've got to depend on. And we've got to live in dependence. I believe whatever your situation is, I don't, I don't, it doesn't matter if it's a health issue, a job issue, a family issue, a relationship issue, that you can live in dependence of God through prayer, through other people, and through his promises of his word. But to learn his promises, you've got to get in his word. That's why we give, give that uh, one-year Bible out. That's why we, we want you in his word. You've got to learn those promises. But listen, we can live a dependent life which is a rich and satisfying life if we will do these three things. I want you to bow your heads. It's Independence Day.